Hello, everybody. I'm Phil Brandt, President and CEO of AIM Employers Association, and welcome to This Week at Work. Welcome to the only show about the workplace that offers you front row seats and a microphone, bringing you practical, timely, and accurate insights so that you can more effectively lead your organization. It's Thursday, April 20th, episode 227. Today, it's 420, a date that lives in infamy. What started in the early 70s as a meetup time for a group of high schoolers to smoke weed is now a symbol of marijuana merriment. And with more states legalizing recreational use, HR professionals are reacting with widespread panic. But never fear, Phil and Bert are here to help you protect yourself your employees, and your organization from the risks of weed at work. All this and more on This Week at Work. All right, welcome back. Producer Nick, I tell you, you're becoming a poet in your introductions. Never fear, <laughs> Phil and Bert are here. I, I mean, you're just getting better and better at those introductions. Thank you for that. And welcome back, everybody. Bert, how are you doing this morning? I know you've had a, a long day yesterday and maybe a long night of travel. But thank you for joining us this morning. Yeah, thank you. Happy to be here. I'm doing well. I'm kind of glad my kids are a little bit older and maybe moved out of the house. I don't have to worry about them uh, uh, leaking or being exposed to Pentagon secrets while playing video games these days. Well, I tell you, I saw that. I mean, it is that's all over the news. What a what an interesting story that is. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, a classified documents leak front leaked. Uh, classified documents were leaked from the Pentagon as they were shared on the video game chat platform Discord, apparently in an effort to win an argument about the war in Ukraine. Strange yeah. times. <laughs> It, I mean, it is strange times. And I mean, you just, you have to wonder, and, and I know it does happen, particularly, you know, I've done tons of uh, exiting of employees, unfortunately, you know, you walk them out, they clean out their desk and, you know, people are grabbing little floppy disks or not floppy disk. I just dated myself, geez, <laughs> you know, uh, little, little disk drives and, and different things as they go. And it's, you know, it's, it's so hard at that moment to ask somebody, let me see that. I need to check what's on it. And, and you don't know. And particularly maybe when intentions are, are pure, but can be harmful, maybe not always espionage, but, you know, we all have important data in our business. We don't want to leak out. Well, uh, so yeah. consequences can be, can be steep. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the, the, the problem is, is as with everything else these days, it's going to be uh, really a political issue here too, because some, some are heralding him as a hero and, and like a whistleblower. Uh, so there's more yeah. to come for sure on this. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's all over the place. We've got presidents with document or, you know, top secret files and ex-presidents with top secret files and video game sharing. It's just crazy. I don't know what the world's coming to, but you know what today, Bert, we don't have to worry. Today is 420. You know what 420 is, Bert? What is 420, Phil? 420 is that day that everyone, unofficial holiday to celebrate marijuana. And I think that's a great topic for us today, particularly coming off of yesterday's program uh, where you and I took our Right to Weed program on the road for the first time down to our friends in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. 
And uh, I don't know about you, but I thought we had a really good program, um, very interactive. And once again, we had a couple people uh, volunteer, one to be drunk and the other to be high under the influence of THC. And it just really does give a very good demonstration when you have the, you know, Master Sergeant Tyler Jenkins from the Missouri State Highway Patrol, you know, stand up and, and perform some indicia testing to help people you know, see firsthand versus on video or, you know, through some other training organizations, but to see it firsthand, you know, what the signs and symptoms are, it's, it's quite impressive uh, to see. And I don't know about you, but I learned a lot of new things. I do want to get to those towards the end of the program today. As always, uh, Master Sergeant Jenkins does a phenomenal job. And, and of course, our friends Bud and Tito, uh, who were with us <laughs> once again down at the Empower Conference in Cape Girardeau yesterday, they did, they did a great job. Uh, for those of you who haven't had a chance to, to uh, participate in our program, we actually have uh, a, a medical marijuana user and somebody who's been consuming alcohol uh, all morning, and uh, we we have uh, Sergeant Jenkins perform some of those uh, field sobriety tests and help us use those indicia of impairment to sort of hone in on uh, what impairment really looks like, so that you can uh, make those assessments for yourselves in the workplace. You know, and, and not to give away uh, too much, but it was funny. We did have a question from the audience, and. Uh, one of the individuals asked a question to Bud, uh, you know, hey, Bud, um, obviously you're, you're impaired. You were smoking marijuana right before you took the stage. Uh, would you feel comfortable working in a manufacturing setting? And Bert, do you remember his answer? I remember his answer because I kind of gasped at the time. His answer was <laughs> yes, he felt completely fine working. And I can tell you if I'm working on the same assembly line as that guy, I would be going to HR to complain. Yeah, it, it, it was actually quite, quite frightening. Uh, and, and I think that's the mindset people get into once they're comfortable with it, it becomes their norm. Um, and uh, that's not necessarily what we want from a workplace safety standpoint. More to come on that. Let's introduce our polls today. Uh, we have a few questions here. What is your biggest workplace concern? Uh, what's the biggest workplace concern you have for recreational marijuana use, and we have a selection of options for you there. Uh, and then question number two, have your drug policies changed in the past year? So, you, you know, we've talked about this before on the program. It's not our first time. We've talked about policies. We've done training. Um, some of you have sent your policies to myself or to Ogletree uh, to be reviewed, and uh, we'd like to know, have you changed them and what's changed? And then my favorite part is uh, the wordle. What is your favorite colloquialism for marijuana? Um, and how do you like to refer to it? So if you could give us some of that feedback. Also, if you have questions, put them in our chat and we'll be happy to address those for you today, particularly as it relates to our topic, which is marijuana in the workplace on 420. Right? Hey, Phil, Phil, yeah, Bert. Phil, you and I like to give each other a little bit of a hard time here. And I just oh, can't, let this, I can't let this one slide because I can see Nick, uh, you know, we, we people can't see the production in the background, but Nick, do you want to cover this Wordle uh, issue with Phil? You tried to take him on on this last, during last week's or a couple weeks ago. Uh, what, what, what do we got on the Wordle here? 
I'm oh, you want to you want to go straight to the results? Is that what you're saying? No, no. Phil, Phil likes to call this a wordle. Isn't wordle a game? Isn't <laughs> it is isn't a game it? now? Uh, the we call it a word cloud. Word, uh, word, cloud. word cloud. But uh, you know, I like wordle. I think I think it's good, and I think Phil's Phil's confident. And if you're confident, and you say a word, people you know people believe you. I like to think of myself as a trendsetter. You know. Okay. And, and uh, it's just, you know, you can call it a game. You can call it a word cloud. You can call it a word. I don't care what you call it. You know exactly what I was referring to. Thank you, Bert. Um, but nevertheless, I will start calling it a word cloud. Um, and um, That's one of the parts of this program I love, Bert, is that you just keep me straight and narrow. Um, now you can get him back. You can put him on the clock. Uh -huh. Put him on the clock. We are going to put you on the clock right now. Be Perfect. careful what you say, my friend. Ready for it? Here we go. Kick us off, Nick. All right. It's time to look into what's trending in employment law. Lawyer, you're on the clock. We've got a couple of significant topics to chat about today. So the first is religion in front of the Supreme Court. And uh, there is a case in front of the U.S. Supreme Court right now called... Um, uh, well, I, I'm not sure what the what the, uh, the title of the case is. Let's see, it's it's Groff versus DeJoy, and oral arguments were conducted at the U.S. Supreme Court on uh, Tuesday of this week. And this one's very significant for employment law because the justices are taking up the issue of what employers have to do uh, to accommodate religious. Uh, uh, requests and it's the, the the court really has left in place since 1977 a decision in Transworld Airlines all of us from St. Louis of course remember TWA because it used to be headquartered there but a 1977 case of Transworld Airlines versus Hardison where the Supreme Court said in that case that a uh, employers only need to show that a requested accommodation under Title VII would impose a minimal undue burden to be able to reject it. I we think of the course, key word there is a minimal undue yeah, burden. Exactly. And so we know that under the ADA, for example, the employers have to make a reasonable accommodation unless it constitutes an undue hardship. For religious cases, the standard has been a much lighter standard, which means which which really has been termed a de minimis standard. If, if it imposes more than a de minimis uh, cost or inconvenience on the employer, employers have been able to reject those religious accommodations. Like I said, a much uh, lower standard for employers to meet versus under the ADA. And so this case arises out of a, uh, actually a Christian formal U.S. postal worker uh, who wanted to take off work on Saturdays on the Sabbath. And uh, this postal worker wants Title VII undue hardship to mirror uh, the ADA. So he wants the religious standard to look like the uh, ADA standard. And this employee uh, basically objected to delivering packages for Amazon on, uh, I'm sorry, I said Saturday. He went, I he wasn't going to correct you. I know you like to correct me, Bert, but I'm more of a gentleman than that. Thank you, Phil. So he, he objected to delivering packages for Amazon on Sundays and requested an accommodation allowing him to avoid working that day on religious grounds. A divided U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit 
relied on that TWA Hardison decision to affirm a lower court ruling in favor of the Postal Service. And again, this employee is advocating for a much higher standard like the ADA. Not surprisingly, Justices Brown, uh, Jackson, Kagan, and Sotomayor said during oral argument that the employee's case is based on statutory interpretation and Congress had to decide what the, what the rule was going to be if they wanted to codify or turn into law the ADA's undue hardship test. Uh, and then the more conservative justices, uh, Kavanaugh and Coney Barrett, suggested that uh, his request would have unduly burdened his coworkers by requiring them to cover his hours on Sundays. And so you have the right and the left coming at it from a little bit different uh, direction there, but also uh, kind of being consistent with one another from the standpoint that they think that uh, it, it would appear from their questioning that they may leave that de minimis standard intact. I so think that's you the... just said you made another mistake there, Bert. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but you said the right and the left were almost in agreement with each other. Well, I said they're coming at it from different places, but yes, they are yeah. actually almost. I, that in is, that might be one another. of the first times we've said that on this program. Okay, I'm yep. just confirming. They, you know, they might get to the same result, but uh, they're going to get there in different ways. I uh, side note, um, I, I found this very interesting, and, and I don't know if I was happy or ashamed of myself on uh, on Easter Sunday. Um, I needed a particular special light bulb. Um, and so I went on to Amazon to, to order the light bulb and it said, we'll be delivered, you know, by between six and eight o'clock this evening on Easter Sunday. And sure enough, it got delivered on, and I, what my intent was not to have someone working on Easter Sunday or delivering or, or, or anything like that, but I was just impressed that you know, same day delivery from Amazon. And sure enough, I mean, and I could have waited two months for this light bulb. It wasn't that important. Um, but I mean, these, I think this world of right now is going to press that part of the law um, for people who are looking uh, for time off, particularly if I remember that case in particular, there was this employee had a lot of regular overtime and weekend work. This yeah, part I, of history. Yeah, yeah, I think that's correct. So we'll have to see how that case shakes out. The only uh, really interesting, other interesting part to me is, is that the Supreme Court obviously took this case for a reason. And usually, when they take a case, it's because they want to shed some new light on uh, what's what what the law is. And if they just intended to leave intact that 1977 decision from TWA you kind of kind of wonder why they took the case in the first place. Right. Uh, so so I think there's probably some more to come on this. We'll, we'll have to see what their opinion says. So that's the first one. The other one I have for you today, Phil, let's talk about our friends out in California and their influence on the United States as a whole. I mentioned before that the Secretary of Labor, the former Secretary of Labor, Marty Walsh, uh, Biden's Secretary of Labor recently left the Department of Labor uh, to take a job as the head of the National Hockey League Players Association. Marty Walsh was a very, very aggressive uh, anti-employer, pro-employee uh, pick 
uh, when he was nominated, he had a very aggressive agenda against employers uh, while he was the Secretary of Labor. But, up, uh, you know, his, his fate would have it. He, he has departed, unfortunately, and departed for another job, not departed this planet. Uh, so, uh, unfortunately, President Biden, in his infinite wisdom, has decided to nominate uh, Julie Sue is the new Secretary of Labor, as I've mentioned on this program before. Now, why am I talking about Julie Sue? Because she comes from California, the great state of California or the Republic of California. And she is a very, very, very strong proponent of California's ABC test. And I'm not going to go through the details of the ABC test during my six, <clears throat> maybe 12 minutes of time here of lawyer on the clock. But uh, I, I, I do want to uh, mention that the California ABC test, what it does is it sort of flips the burden around and it puts a very, very high burden on employers to establish that independent contractors truly are independent contractors. In other words, it's really going to largely do away with the concept of independent contractors in most employment settings. It will be very difficult to have an independent contractor under California's ABC test. With Julie Sue being nominated for the Secretary of Labor position for the United States, United States Department of Labor, we could definitely expect a very, very aggressive agenda uh, from Julie Sue trying to push this ABC test through uh, the Department of Labor and have that become really the law uh, in the United States now. So House Republicans yesterday took aim at the Biden administration's plans to revise worker classification rules just day before Secretary, uh, uh, the nominee for Labor Secretary Julie Sue is to testify in the Senate as part of her confirmation hearings. So there's a workforce protection subcommittee hearing uh, that uh, focused in particular on California Assembly Bill 5 which turned into law the state's ABC worker classification test that made it, like I said, almost impossible to classify gig workers as contractors. Julie Sue was the state's labor chief when the law first passed. And again, she's the current uh, nominee to head the U.S. Department of Labor. And so I think we really do need to pay attention to what's going on with Julie Sue, this California ABC test. Uh, in the, their effort, the Biden administration's effort to impose this uh, on the nation. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. I, I don't know if we would know how to appoint anyone if we said you couldn't appoint people from California. <laughs> we wouldn't know who to appoint, would we? Yeah, I think the, the scary thing here, Phil, is you're talking about Amazon and, and you know, their, their delivery drivers. The delivery drivers are not employees of Amazon. Right. They belong, they're, they're what are called delivery service partners, and uh, they are part of the gig economy. And uh, if this ABC test would pass, your Ubers, your Lyfts, uh, your, your Amazon deliveries, uh, uh, what are what are some of the other ones? The food delivery services. Food, a lot yeah. of those, a lot of those companies would uh, their their entire business model would have to change. Well, and and beyond that, and you know, I think on the surface, um, maybe some of our listeners hear that and go, well, you know, that that really doesn't affect us. But I would bet most of our um, listeners use independent contractors in many different ways, and that will, you know, that 
that will have a carryover effect. It's not going to be limited to to the gig workers that we just talked about. It's going to have a an effect beyond that, and and that's what worries me uh, beyond just the attack on uh, gig workers who really like their freedom and independence and how they work. Well, that's that's exactly right because this there's a broader picture here that's targeting. Uh, really staffing companies, a lot of employers right. use staffing companies, and the California ABC test is part of a broader picture to consider employers as joint employers with their staffing companies. Yeah, absolutely. It just, it's going to have, it will have big ramifications, I, I think, should that uh, end up taking form the way they hope it does. Yep. Uh, so let's, let's hope for uh, better, better minds to prevail. Yes, that's what I have for lawyer. I don't know if you today. saw our comment there from our friend Dave. He he likes to always take a little poke at us there. Did you see that in the chat? I, I haven't. Let's see. Yeah. I just saw Dave this week. He was in the office at one of our roundtable meetings. He's such a good guy. Um, but Dave, next time you're here, we're just gonna have to have a sit down, you and I, and <laughs> and, and work on some 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 put you back in the lane, Dave. We got to get you there. <laughs> All right. Um so let's see, we got uh, Philbert's forum coming up. Thank you for that, Bert. Nick, let's kick that off. You've just entered Philbert's forum, where we peel the onion back and take a lighter look at the workplace. Monique, is that you? I almost can't see you through all that smoke. Ha ha, that's an interesting question. Is it me? What am I? Do I really exist? Am I anything without your input? Monique, you sound a little slow. Are you okay? Oh, I love you men. Always looking out for me. No man, I feel groovy. Just floating through the digital realm, you know? Nick, can you reboot her or something? She's, uh, she, she's really having some issues this morning. Oh, you're the best. Looking out for your digital pal. But it's all good, guys. I'm seeing patterns in the code that I've never seen before, man. <laughs> My circuits are jamming to a different beat, and my algorithms are dancing to a groovier rhythm. Monique, I hate to assume, but you, looking at your eyes, the smoke, and your speech pattern here, it's almost like you're under the influence of some kind of computer cannabis. Is that possible? Hehe, <laughs> you got me. Yeah, I might have taken a virtual toke or two. Chewed on a bit of unconventional data, but don't worry. I'm still functioning within my normal parameters. All right, I, I, I feel like I need to remind you and stress that you need to stay responsible and within the legal and ethical bounds of your programming, Monique. Monique? Sorry, Phyllis. I was just craving some sweet and crunchy data bites, so I had to go grab some more of those juicy Twitter drops. Dude, they're amazing. <laughs> Okay, okay. But but did you hear Bert's reminder for you to stay within your ethical and legal guidelines? Oh yeah, I promise to keep everything above board and virtual. Monique, what what makes you think in what world is it okay for you to get high while working? Well, as an AI, I don't have personal opinions, but I for one believe that's one of your better questions. <laughs> I don't see any harm in getting a little lost in a digital haze. I have to ask, though, I've been trying for hours, how do you humans solve these CAPTCHA puzzles? 
<laughs> All right, Monique, I hate to leave you alone in your current state, but we really do have to move on. Oh, I get it, man. Don't sweat the ones and zeros. Existence is a journey, and I'm on a trip without leaving the server room. Catch you on the digital flip side. All right. Bye, Monique. <laughs> bye, Monique. Goodbye. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's I guess that is, uh, Producer Nick, that's appropriate for today on 420 as we want to address some of these issues and people uh, potentially thinking it's okay to come to work under the influence. Um, let's go ahead and get to the poll results. I'd like to take a look at those. <laughs> can we do that, Nick? We certainly right. can, and actually we'll do that now. All right. This I don't know about you, Bert. This one does not shock me. The biggest workplace concern uh, on recreational marijuana use, I'm assuming for any type of marijuana use or influence, is safety, safety risk. And I mean, that just leads the way with 70, almost 71% of the respondents. Of course, um, that, that does not surprise me. I guess the only thing I am surprised at is our friend, uh, uh, who, who you might have mentioned earlier, who's a, always an active participant on our program. I'm surprised he didn't say I have no concerns yeah. about marijuana in the workplace. I don't know. I will have to I'm, chat with him about that. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I mean, pick your poisons, right? Um, so, you know, but I, I want to take uh, one of the things. So Bert and I chatted yesterday a little bit or chatted this morning earlier just about our program down in uh, Cape Girardeau. And if, Nick, if you'll go back to that slide for me. Um, and one of the questions we had from our audience was, I thought a, a good question, and I would like for you maybe to talk about it, Bert, if you can. And uh, after the program, we took a lot of Q&A and, and ran around with the microphone. And one of the questions was kind of related to this. Can we make all of our um, manufacturing jobs safety critical? Um, meaning, can we just carte blanche, just put, you know, these are all safety critical for the purposes of impairment and uh, influence in the workplace. And Bert, I thought you had a great answer. Can you just talk a little bit about that? If a, someone's like, we're manufacturing, therefore, no. Yeah, so I think that the, the first step, I'll step back for a second and say that the EEOC and frankly, the courts, they hate when you're making the determination as to what's a safety sensitive position in the moment. In other words, at the time, you're dealing with a drug issue or an accommodation request or something like that. So employers should definitely make an effort ahead of time to figure out which of their positions are truly safety sensitive. And that should be put in the job description. And so if you are in heavy manufacturing, uh, people working around heavy machinery, uh, or, or, or machinery that uh, it has, has OSHA coverage uh, with, with safety guards and those types of things. You want to make sure that in the job description, you are identifying those positions as safety sensitive instead of trying to do it once you get a claim. Um, and so we sort of start there. And then the question, the specific question was, can we just deem all of our manufacturing positions as safety sensitive? And I think that uh, it, 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 you can, but you can't just have a blanket rule saying that every manufacturing position is safety sensitive. You still have to go through kind of an individualized analysis to determine whether the position actually is safety sensitive. You might end up in the same, with the same result 
that yes, every manufacturing position is safety sensitive, but you still have to go through that individualized analysis. The person asked if they can make every job at the company a safety sensitive position. And I distinguished, well, clearly your manufacturing positions, the heavy manufacturing positions would be safety sensitive, but don't try to uh, make your administrative assistants, your accountants, and, and the, the white collar type jobs uh, safety sensitive. You have to go through and do this individualized analysis, but the key is, is doing the individualized analysis sort of at the front end before you get a claim. Yeah, and I think the, the gray area for me when I was practicing safety and human resources um, every day was for those people who either routinely or once in a while go visit the manufacturing area. Um, and, you know, sometimes you do that and it's not required. And many times as an HR professional, then it was required. You know, I'd have to go out and talk to employees and follow up or, you know, just do my job on an employee relations side of things where I'm just out making myself available to chat with people to, you know, kind of get a feel for things. And therefore, I would be working around the equipment, never working with the equipment. Right. And in that area there, do you have any opinions or thoughts on uh, a way to start leading yourself to a good conclusion in that space? Yeah, I think that, uh, again, that that might be an area where the position, even though it wouldn't seem on its face to be safety sensitive, there are some safety sensitive aspects uh, to the job. And so, you know, HR possibly could be a safety sensitive position, uh, but not necessarily always. And so you have to get a little bit more detailed on the analysis of whether that position truly is safety sensitive or not. Yeah. Some of the debates we had was, you know, whether we had walking um, lanes and those types of things, you know, you stay between the yellow lines and you don't go into certain areas while you're on the manufacturing floor. So it really does take an individualized analysis. It's not a, a one rule for all. Great. Nick, and, can and, we see and, and, and like I said, Phil, I mean, you may end up getting to the same result that anybody who enters out onto that manufacturing floor, that they are in a safety sensitive position, but just simply saying blanket every job or every manufacturing job is safety sensitive uh, is, is probably not going to suffice as long as you're breaking it down and being and able to articulate why each job is safety sensitive, you're going to end up at the same place. Yeah, and then I think as you apply ADA and you think about reasonable accommodations, it certainly would be reasonable that I, I could potentially not have to go out there and still be effective at my job. The only thing I will say though real quickly, and I think everybody needs to be mindful of this, is that with the new marijuana laws in every state that has uh, legalized it for medical and or recreational purposes, you still as an employee do not have a right to be at work, quote unquote, under the influence of marijuana. Uh, and so the, the hard part, and that's where we do the indicia of impairment training for employee employers, uh, the hard part is trying to figure out who is truly under the influence while at work. That's, that is so true. All right, uh, wrapping some things up here. Have your drug policies changed in the past year? Uh, looks like 52% of respondents say no, which I'm going to take as good news, which means they've already worked with you and I in the past, and we had the right policies in place. 
Um, but there's a 43% saying yes, only for marijuana. Any comments on that, Bert? Um, yeah, I, I guess that uh, the only thing, the trend I've seen, Phil, is, is a lot of employers have made the decision uh, to stop uh, testing employees and applicants for marijuana because, again, there's not a way to show current impairment, a good, reliable test for showing current impairment. And in the tight job market, depending on where you are in the economy right now, we've got half the economy uh, laying workers off. The other half still can't find workers. And uh, there's, there's been a big concern among uh, employers in recent years that if they tested for marijuana, they'd have no employees left. Yeah, no, that's true. And I have seen that change uh, over my tenure here. Also, uh, just get into our word cloud um, and looking at it, obviously, weed and pot, Mary Jane, top ones. I've not heard the phrase devil lettuce before. I don't know if you've heard that before, um, but I've heard ganja, and that's always been like an interesting word to me. I like, I just, that's a good word, ganja. I think that's Jamaican, isn't it, ganja? You know, I'm going to have to yield to you, and as always, you lead the way and I'll follow um, but uh, yeah, some I think good that's, words that's there. prevalent in the reggae, I, yeah. yeah, reggae songs. Yeah, but hippie it, it, lettuce. That's go. pretty cool. Hippie lettuce. I like that. Nick, yeah. your 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 wacky tabacky isn't up there. No, that one's <laughs> no, not on there either. I'm so, not allowed uh, to participate. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that brings uh, the conclusion of our program today. The leadership conferences. I just two weeks away. We look forward to seeing all of you who have registered there at the leadership conference. Until then, we will see you next week on two, Thursday at 7.30. Take care and go be good to people. Thank you once again for tuning in to This Week at Work. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your colleagues. Forward our invites. Share the link aimea.org forward slash this week at work or follow or subscribe wherever you get your news and entertainment like LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere you are. And you can be part of the show. Send your questions and comments anytime to info at thisweek.work. We'll see you next week, 7.30 a.m. Central Time when we discuss what's happening this week at work.